Well, happy Ascension Sunday to all of you at Embassy Church. For our first scripture reading, we'll be in Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 11, one of the key passages of the Bible that tells us about the event of Jesus's ascension to heaven. If you saw in the worship guide that was sent out, you will see that the big idea of this text that I would like to focus on for our first section of scripture and teaching and meditation is that Jesus's ascension to heaven empowers the church to make disciples of all nations. I don't know if you've thought about the connection between Jesus leaving the earth and that being the explosive detonator of the power of the gospel unleashed for the nations, that this is God's plan and that it is good. In a book I read last year on the ascension of Jesus, Peter Orr, right in the beginning of the book, observes that he sees that Christians today seem to focus way more attention on what Jesus did in the past and what he will do in the future. So think about it. We think a lot about Jesus's birth and his death and his resurrection, what he did in the past. And what he will do in the future, we are probably a little too obsessed at times with like eschat, eschatological kind of things, uh, revelation, the book of what God's going to do in the future. Um, but we don't seem as concerned or interested in what Jesus is doing right now. And I want you to think about that thought today and maybe every day of our life. What is Jesus doing right now? Do you even know? Have you ever even really thought through that question? Yeah, what's Jesus doing now? Just sitting around waiting? Protestant Christians annually celebrate the birth of Jesus at Christmas, the death of Jesus on Good Friday, and the resurrection of Jesus every Easter Sunday. But Throughout church history, and in some traditions still today, Christians have set aside time to celebrate Jesus' rising to heaven in his ascension on Ascension Sunday, which is today, and then Pentecost Sunday, the giving of the Holy Spirit, which brings like a five-fold annual celebration of who and what Jesus is and what he's done but it feels like to me, most of the churches I've been at growing up and even at embassy, it, it, it seems like there's times where most Christians in at least the U.S., I don't know what it's like over there in Dubai, but in the U.S., it seems like we've traded these two historic celebrations of Ascension Sunday and uh, Pentecost Sunday for Mother's Day and Father's Day. I mean, what do you think you've celebrated more in the churches you've gone to or been around over the last several years of your life around May and June? Has it been more emphasis on giving honor to our moms or giving honor to what Jesus has done by arising into the heavens? Just think about that for a minute. And then ask yourself again that question. What is Jesus doing right now? Well, one answer surely is some might say he's seated on his throne. Great answer. Very true. But is sitting on a throne mean being passive or just simply resting? First John 2.2 2 says that Jesus is 
our advocate, or you could say maybe our defense attorney before the Father. Or Hebrews 7.25 says that Jesus always lives to make intercession for them. Think about this. Jesus always lives. Right now, the human resurrected Jesus is alive, risen from the dead. Amen. That's what we celebrated at Easter. That's amazing. Really good news. No one's trying to diminish that. Not me. I'm not trying to say the ascension's more important. But notice Hebrews 7.25 says, Jesus always lives because of his resurrection, but that's not the end of the story. He lives in heaven to do something. And the passage says, Jesus always lives to make intercession for his people. This means that Jesus's resurrection will mean that every day you're alive, Jesus is alive because he always lives. But Jesus' ascension means that Jesus will always be praying, pleading, and empowering the rest of his body. He is the head, and the rest of his body is the church. And I love this image of the body as not just a metaphor, but as some sort of mystical, strange, deep reality that the head is in heaven, but the rest of the body is on earth. So we have a direct connection and we are tethered to heaven itself because of Jesus being there as our representatives. So Embassy Church, from our beginning, six years ago, we said we want to be a gospel-centered church. And since the ascension of Jesus and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit are essential aspects to the gospel, those are not like, oh, side things. They are essential to what was accomplished through what God has done in Jesus Christ. So since they are essential, the next two Sundays, we will focus on the ascension of Jesus today and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit next week as we talk about God's mission to bring the gospel to the nations. And more specifically, as we've been framing these talks and these times and teachings, we want to learn how to pray. And specifically, we want to learn how to pray for the nations, which is why I've invited our friends from Dubai to give us specific encouragements and prayer requests and updates about how we can pray for the work going on around the world. So let's read that passage together now. Acts chapter 1, 1 through 11. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up and after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up. And a cloud took him out of their sight. 
And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. This reading is from the book of Acts. That's what we traditionally have called this, the Acts of the Apostles. And it's referring to the actions of Jesus' disciples after he left the earth. However, I want you to notice verse 1 one more time. Look down at verse 1 in your Bibles and notice the way Luke, the author here, begins the verse. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. Luke is the same person who wrote the gospel according to Luke. And so he's referring to his first book, which is the gospel of Luke. And it says that he first wrote about all that Jesus began to do, which means the book of Acts is all about what Jesus is continuing to do. This is one of the reasons why many people think, you know, a better title or name for this whole book is the Acts of the risen and ascended Lord Jesus through his church by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's a bit longer, but I mean, it really quite captures the idea, doesn't it? The acts of Jesus through his church by the empowered spirit of God. And this is what we see in verse eight. If you've never read the book of Acts before, it's a gem, it's wonderful, it's super encouraging, but look at verse eight of chapter one. It is the kind of outline and summary of the whole book. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Luke has actually arranged both the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts geographically. The major sections of his book are tied to those places. So Jerusalem is the first eight chapters, and then Judea, Samaria, and then eventually to the ends of the earth. That's how you read through the whole book. But notice that he says the followers and believers in him will receive power to be witnesses to the ends of the earth. And it's connected in the very next verse in verse 9 to Jesus's ascension to the throne of heaven. And so this is the key truth for you and for me, the big idea. You and I cannot be powerful witness, witnesses to the ends of the earth. We can't make disciples of all nations unless we have the spirit of God. That seems pretty straightforward. I think all of you would agree. But you and I will not have the Spirit of God unless Jesus leaves and ascends to the throne room of heaven, pleads on our behalf, and then sends the Spirit with the Father. This is exactly what John says in John 16, 7 and 8. I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, then the Helper will not come to you. The Holy Spirit will not empower and will not come unless Jesus leaves. But if he leaves, John continues to say in verse 8, I will send him to you and when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Have you ever really done some deep meditation or soul searching of the idea that God is giving you his power through the Spirit to make much of him and glory to him throughout all nations, and that this is better than the physical presence of Jesus's resurrected body on earth. That's quite a statement. 
And I think it's not just a statement, it's the ultimate reality of the moment we're living in right now. It is good that Jesus is busy doing his work on the throne right now. That is really a good place for him to be. It is spreading the gospel unlike any other possible solution. This plan that God has made is a good and gracious plan. In John 14, Jesus also says these words, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Because Jesus is going to the Father, you and I, disciples of Jesus, will do greater works than Jesus. That's what the Bible just said. I did not make that up. I'm not trying to just pump you up today with cool inspirational quotes or something. Like, this is the truth of the Word of God. And notice the way it's attached to prayer in John 14. He says, You will do these things, greater works, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. So if you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Because Jesus is in the heavens, because he is pleading and he is our intercessor and he is there on our behalf, representing us, we are united to him. All of this means that we can pray to him and that he will do it and that there will be greater works done through the church over the span of the church's life than if Jesus were just here physically on the earth right now. And this is why he says greater works than these we will do than just what Jesus already did. I mean, this is why it's amazing for us to stop and pause and take a Sunday and say, wow, look at what God has done and is doing right now through Jesus. Acts chapter 1 and then Acts chapter 2. If you've never read Acts 2, it's the the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. But Acts 1, the ascension of Jesus. Acts 2, the outpouring of the Spirit. They help us see what I think is implied in the great famous commandment of Matthew 28, 18 to 20, where Jesus says that he has all authority in heaven and on earth. The ascension of Jesus puts himself into a position to have all authority over heaven and earth. And it is because Jesus reigns forever over death, sin, and all forces of evil that we, the church, can go. That's what I think is at the undergirding reality, supporting as a foundational truth, all authority in heaven on earth. I'm in heaven. I am seated on the throne. Therefore, I have access and reign and rule over every problem you will ever face in your heart, in the world, against persecution, against famine and disease and all kinds of things. This is the hope that we have to make disciples of all nations. Because of Christ's reign and rule, we can go in his power through his presence and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. His ascension up means the Spirit comes down, which results in the church going to the ends of the earth. So for the rest of our time this morning, I would like us to attentively listen to the updates of what God is doing through the world and the people that our church supports. Our church's mission statement is that we exist to glorify Jesus Christ by making disciples of all nations. 
And I hope that it is clear to you all as you spend time as our church community does life together that this is not some sort of cute little Bible verse or Christian cliche. We exist to glorify Christ by making disciples of all nations. This is the driving heartbeat of our church because this is the heartbeat of God. And one of the best ways to increase your joy in life and give you a deeper sense of meaning and purpose is for you to learn and listen to what God is doing in the world and get involved through prayer, through financial donations, through short-term mission trips, and maybe for some of you to be inspired to say, I want to go and share the gospel amongst people and in places where there is little to no access to the gospel. 